The Kutis Sikha is Chalik Tezbav, the fifth Sikha for Chayas Sara, which is also the Sikha for Shabbos Mavarchim Chodesh Kislev. This Sikha will discuss the wondrousness and the greatness of the miracle of Hanukkah and how it applies to the Avedis Hashem of each person or of our generation. In our Parsha, as an introduction, we find something very unique about the Shabbos candles of Sarah Imenu and Rivka Imenu, of the matriarch Sarah and Rivka. And that is when the Pasuk describes how Rivka came to the home of Yitzchak, how he married her. It says, He brought her to the tent, Sarah his mother. Well, if you put the pause, you could read it that he brought her to the tent, he brought her to his home, and he realized she was like Sarah his mother, which means that Chazal tell us that she had the same miracle occurred to her, which occurred to her mother Sarah, to his mother Sarah, and that is that she would light her Shabbos candles on Friday evening, and they would remain lit until the following Friday evening. Now, talking about the miracle of Hanukkah, again, as a means of introduction, it's known, of course, obviously, that the miracle is that the one jug of oil lasted for eight days. That means it was only sufficient to last for one day, for one light's, night's uh, lighting of the menorah, and yet it, lighted, it, it lasted for eight days. But there are actually several ways to understand this, exactly how and what took place. For example, one of the common, several of the common ways of explaining it, one is that on the first night, they filled the cups of the menorah in its entirety. That means they used the entire Pach uh, Hashem, the entire jug of oil. And when it was full, it was as if they weren't burnt. I mean, the, the oil was just there or the jug remained full. That's one way of looking at it. Another way is that they put in all the oil and every night only an eighth of it burned. And even though an eighth would have been just sufficient for an eighth of the night, yet that eighth lasted for the entire night. Or, as the Beisheshah says, perhaps suggests that they, to begin with, only entered, only filled into the cups of the menorah, into the candles, that is, only an eighth of the amount of oil that was necessary. In other words, they rationed it for the total of eight days that they knew that they need to procure new oil. Now, there's another thing that we should get familiar with, which is going to be important for us during the Sikha. We know that when one needs to perform a mitzvah, one can only do so with a physical, material object. When the Torah says, for example, to shake a lul of an esrig, if one should have an esrig that fell out of the sky, meaning arrived at his, in his possession miraculously, one cannot perform the mitzvah with it. Likewise, tefillin. If you, if you have tefillin that fell down from the heavens, I mean, there can't be anything holier than that. But you can't do the mitzvah with it, because the mitzvah is to take a physical tefillin, take parchment, write it with physical ink through a human being, and thus have the tefillin that have you know that are that are um, that are um, compliant with all the rules and details, and then you have the kedusha in them, and then you are able to perform the mitzvah. One more thing to familiarize ourselves with is the concept of nimna hanimnois, the impossible of impossibilities, and that is we find in the Beis Hamikdash that although the Arai, the Ark, had a very specific size. 
meaning it had to conform to specific dimensions, otherwise it wouldn't be kosher, as prescribed in the Torah. Yet, when it was placed at its place in the Holy of Holies, and you measured from one side to the other side, meaning from one wall to the other wall, it, it appeared as if it wasn't there. Meaning, it was there, it did take up space, because it had a specific dimension, and yet on the other hand, it didn't take up any space. So let's get into the Sikha. In many years, as the case in this year, Parshas Chayasoda is read on the Shabbos in which we bless the new month of Kislev. Now, according to the rule, that typically when you read the Parsha of the week, it has a very strong connection to the events or the special days that occur around it or coincide with it. So it's obvious that Chayasara in this Parsha there has to be a very strong connection to the month of Kislev. And when we speak of the month of Kislev, what comes to the mind? What is the highlight? What is the most special aspect of the month of Kislev? Of course, the celebration, the festival of Hanukkah, which begins on the 25th of Kislev. And the Rebbe says, indeed, yes, we do find a very strong connection between something that appears in this Parsha and the miracle of Hanukkah. Hanukkah, of course, as we know, as we said in the introduction, was established because of the miracle of the little jug of oil that was only meant to last for one day, and yet it lasted for eight days. Well, a similar miracle to this, in the same vein, is, as also as we mentioned in the introduction, the miracle of the Shabbos candles of both Sarah and Rivka. They're both kind of hinted to and mentioned in this week's Parsha. That even though they were meant to last only one night, as typically Shabbos candles do, yet miraculously, not because they put extra oil, but that's where Yitzchak was able to tell, he was able to distinguish that this is a special woman, because he saw that miraculously, notwithstanding the fact that there was only enough oil, enough um, uh, fuel for that candle to last one night, one Shabbos night, yet it lasted and it kept on burning all week. Says the Rebbe, yet, even though there's a similarity, there's a connection, we, we, we do need to say, and we do need to establish that the miracle of Hanukkah, the Hanukkah candles, is certainly much greater of a miracle, because that's actually something that a festival was established for. This is something unique. This is something, some, so to speak, more earth-shattering than the miracle that's mentioned in this week's Parsha. And the question is, we need to say that, but is it so? In other words, could we establish, could we determine that indeed the miracle of Hanukkah is greater? Now, obviously, we can't just say, well, it's greater because the candles of Sarah and Rivka lasted only for seven days, whereas the miracle of Hanukkah took place over the course of eight days. We need to actually find it on a much deeper level, not something so superficial, because this is only in quantity. This was seven days, this is eight days. But we have to find something that is more essential and more of a qualitative nature to distinguish between the miracle that is um, uh, implied in this week's Parsha to the miracle of the candles, the Neiris Hanukkah, that is uh, certainly far superior to that miracle. So we have to actually find the superiority in the miracle of Hanukkah over that which is mentioned in our Parsha. So now, let's go into the miracle of Hanukkah, how it's explained in the Beis Yosef and through the more um, uh, uh, um, other halachic authorities. It breaks down in the following manner. Either you look at it from a quantitative perspective, that in the oil 
that was meant to last for only one day, yet when they filled it up, they found that the quantity of oil was not diminished. In other words, even though they had poured out all the oil, yet the quantity of oil remained the same. That is one approach to what exactly happened in the miracle of Hanukkah. However, there is another approach, which is more of a qualitative approach. Not saying that the quantity was such, but rather that in the quality of the oil that was there, although it was only meant to last for one night, yet it lasted for eight nights. And there's two ways to look at it. Either that each night only an eighth of that oil burned down. And even though it was only an eighth, which is not enough to last all night, it lasted an entire night. In other words, that eighth of the oil became so superior in quality that it was able to last longer than typically oil would last. Or, as the Beisheshe suggests, that they only poured in an eighth of the oil, knowing that they don't have enough for the next eight days, and they only poured in a little bit, an eighth, and still, even though it didn't seem to have the potential to last all night, it did. Now, perhaps, these two ways of looking at the miracle of understanding the miracle of the, of, of, of the Nase of Hanukkah breaks down into whether we consider the Nase of Hanukkah to be the same category of the Nase, the miracle that happened to Sarifgar, or whether we consider it to be greater, superior, to, that, I mean, that is the, the miracle of the candles of Hanukkah to be superior, greater to that which happened to Sar and Rivka. You see, according to the second man, if we look at it from a qualitative perspective, well, you can say they're both in the same realm. They're both in the same category. Both of them were meant to last one night, and the quality of the oil became so intense, miraculously, obviously, that they lasted longer. It's just that Hanukkah was just another day. It was more days. It was, you know, extra quantity within the quality. And you, perhaps even more that the miracle of Hanukkah, not, not, it's not that it, it can continued and it remained lit for the eight days, but rather each night anew, the miracle was renewed again by it being kindled again. Fine, but at the end of the day, if you look at it from that perspective, from perspective of quality, the miracle of Hanukkah and the miracle that happened to Sarah Rivka are more or less in the same realm, the same category. Now, if you look at it from the quantitative explanation approach that we said before, it comes out that the miracle of Hanukkah is from a totally different sort. It's far greater, entirely greater, than the miracle that happened to Sarah and Rivka. Because Sarah and Rivka poured in the oil, and it just remained lit, like we said. It just had a greater intense quality. But not that new oil was generated, that new oil was created. And in this sense, you would say, wow, perhaps this if we take it from this approach, this would give us a perspective that the miracle of Hanukkah is, wow, is a great miracle consider, considering that it's so much greater than the miracle of what happened to Sarah Rivka, because by Sarah Rivka there was no new oil created. Says the Rebbe, that's true, but still it would not explain for why Hanukkah is such a wondrous celebration. You know why? Because if that would be the case, if this is the way to look at the and, and, and appreciate what happened, the miracle of Hanukkah, then we can argue that it's something that is, even, is already precedented, meaning it's nothing new, it's not so earth-shattering. You know why? In the Haftarah of Parshas Vayera, just, a week, just last week, we read about a story with Elisha, in which the woman had only a drop of oil, in her jug, and yet he told her to continue pouring and pouring and pouring, and this generated 
quantity of oil from a minute quantity of oil. So this miracle is precedented. And it still, it therefore, wouldn't explain why Hanukkah is so superior to all other miracles and why it's like a big wow. And says, Rabbi, Rabbi says, besides all of this, there's also some issues in these two approaches. In other words, these two approaches aren't proved perfect, whether you look at it this way or that way. Besides the fact that it would, wouldn't explain why Hanukkah is so special. But in and itself, there's some issue there's something problematic with each of these approaches. If you look at it from the approach that the quantity was increased, that it was generated, we have a problem. Because as we said in the introduction, the question would be, how did they perform the mitzvah? It's an actual mitzvah, it's a commandment to light the menorah in the base of English. How did they perform the mitzvah with oil that was generated through miraculous means? It's not considered physical, material, natural oil. Now, if you look at it from a qualitative standpoint, we know that the halacha is that when you do, when you fill up the, 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 the candelabra, when you fill up the menorah for the purpose of lighting the candles in the base of Mikdash, they had to fill it up, quote, with the amount that it should light all night. In other words, you had to fill it up to capacity. And besides, any time you did an avoid in the base of Mikdash, the clay shutters, the actual holy vessels, had to be filled to their top or filled to their measure. So either way you look at it, either way we said before that only an eighth burnt down. Well, on the second night, you only had seven eighths. You didn't have the full amount. So you weren't doing the mitzvah correctly. And Or if you say that to begin with, they only put in an eighth of the oil. Well, they didn't put in the right amount. How did they go about doing a mitzvah in such an incorrect manner? Therefore, the Rebbe introduces a third, a totally different way of looking at the and appreciating the miracle of Hanukkah, what exactly took place. And this will eliminate all the questions and also will explain and prove why the miracle of Hanukkah is, calls for such a great wow, for such a great celebration. You see, what did the base Yosef write in Shulchan Aruch? He says that they put in the, the entire oil into the cups of the menorah, of the candelabra, and in the morning they found that they were still all full of oil. Says the Rebbe, the meaning of this is not that new oil was created, as we understood before, but rather that there was a wonderful miracle here. That is, that the oil that they placed in the candelabra, in the menorah, actually fueled the fire as oil does. But yet, the miracle is that although the oil fueled the fire, it burned, but it was not consumed. It burned, it created, it, it fueled the fire, but typically when the oil fuels the fire, what happens? The oil becomes consumed. In this case, the miracle was that the oil didn't come consumed. So this is like two opposites happen happening. On the one hand, it naturally fueled the fire. On the other hand, supernaturally, it didn't, it didn't get burned. It didn't get concerned. This is similar to the miracle of the Arain, of the Ark in the Beis Amikdash. On the one hand, it was absolutely there. And it had to be there. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the Ark. It wouldn't be a kosher vessel. Because kosher means that it has to fit the specifications that the Torah prescribes. And it did. So it did and take up space. Yet at the same time, it didn't take up space. 
The Rebbe says on a deeper level, if you think about it, it's not that there's two things happening here, but it's all the two opposites that actually come together. In other words, when we say that the miracle is that the place of the Orin is not, did not occupy space, that tells us that the Orin itself did occupy space. Inherently, it did have a dimension. And it did occupy space. Because if it didn't occupy space, then there wasn't a double miracle here. It was just, oh, it was all miraculous. The idea is that the Orin, the Ark, when you measured it, it did occupy space. It was an entity, a physical material entity that took up space. Yet at the same time, when you put it away some Mikdash, it didn't seem to take up space. And it's the same thing over here. The menorah, according to halacha, needs to have oil to fuel it, and that oil has to burn. Guess what? It burnt. It actually burnt. The oil did fuel the fire. But at the same time, the oil remained intact. Now that's a big wow. That's a miracle. That's absolutely two opposites coming together. Literally the natural and the supernatural coming together. Now we'll appreciate why this approach is the greatest and is greater than any other approach than before. You see, because when we say that there was an increase in the amount of oil, think about it. That's the, the, the first way when we say that it was the, the kamus, the, the quantity was what was generated. That's a fair way of explaining the miracle, but over there, there is something lacking. If you think about it esoteric in a deeper level, why? Because there, the miracle is only noticeable, is only obvious in the first moment. In the first moment that you're about to light the candles, you go, wow, there is oil that shouldn't have been here. But once the candles are lit, there's no obvious visibility, there's no obvious effect of the miracle. The candles are burning because there's oil in there. The fact that the oil was there in the beginning, that's the miracle. Now, when you look at it from the second perspective that we had in the Sicha, from the perspective of looking at the miracle of Hanukkah as a qualitative thing that happened in the oil, it's true that the effects of the oil is visible throughout. Because remember, there's not enough oil to burn that long time, and it is burning that long time. So that's a, that's a beautiful thing. It's effective. You can see it all the time. But the miracle itself happened when? The miracle itself happened in the first second, meaning it happened right in the first moment when you were about to light the candle. When you lit the candles, that's when Hashem, so to speak, injected a quality, a supernatural quality into that oil. So you're seeing now the effects of the miracle, but the miracle is not happening now. Whereas with the way that the Rebbe explains it, the third approach, the actual miracle and the appreciation of it, meaning the visibility of the miracle, is constantly happening all the time. That means the miracle is happening every moment that the candles are burning, they are burning, you see that the oil is fueling the fire, and at the same time you see that the oil is not being consumed. So the miracle and the appreciation of it is happening simultaneously. So the Rebbe now takes all this and says, how do we apply these three ways, these three approaches to the Avodah Sa'adam, the service of man to the Abishter? So in general, we break it down. What is nature in Avodah Sa'adam? That is Avodah Alpi Tam Vadas. When you serve Hashem, all based on logic and understanding, you know, things that have a limited, that become confined and limited 
with, to the person's desires, to the person's wants, to the person's normal, natural self. Then you have nace, you have miracle, which is, of course, the aspect of mesidus nefesh, of self-sacrifice, or and or kabbalah's oil, meaning you do it because this is what Hashem wants, regardless of the fact that you are really enjoying it, like it, don't like it, it makes sense in the moment, you do it anyway. Now, of course, the truth be said, that all avoida, even the avoida that's alpitam vadas, certainly is founded and based on Amisiris Nefesh and Kabbalah's oil. Because you're not doing your own Tam Vadas, you're obviously doing the Tam Vadas in accordance with what the Torah dictates, what Hashem wants from you. So of course the prerequisite for it and the foundation is Kabbalah's Amisiris Nefesh. But still, there are different manners in this. You have, for example, the take the first and the most simple and basic is where a person has the feeling of mysterious nefesh and kapalas oil right in the first moment. And that is when you accept Hashem's sovereignty, when you accept Kabbalah's oil, and that is when you say Kriyashman Davening, that's the time when we accept Kabbalah's oil and we have in mind the Siris Nefesh. However, in the rest of the day, the effect of this only is in a very subliminal manner, almost like behind the scenes. It's in a very dormant manner, it's there. It is certainly fueling, but from behind the scenes. But what's vivid, what's obvious, is the person's approach, Alpitamadas. Then you have a level higher, which is that the Kabbalah's oil and the mysterious Nefesh of the beginning of the day is so powerful. That Kriyashma that you said has such a great power that you see it throughout the day in a very revealed and obvious manner. It's, like, it's so powerful that it influences all he does all day. But when was it generated? In the morning, in the beginning. Then you have a third level that's above and beyond, and that is that constantly throughout the day, the person is constantly in a mode of Mesiris Nefesh. It's almost like regenerating and recreating new Mesiris Nefesh all day. Where do we see this? We see by Rabbi Akiva, that Rabbi Akiva said that all day, all my days, meaning not only all my days of my life, but each day in the entire day, I was totally mindful and waited and desired that moment when I can have Mesiris Nefesh. That means he was constantly in a mode of Mesiris Nefesh. Now, you can't say that any of these three ways is good or bad. It's not that one is good or bad. They're all good. But it's just that one, uh, that, or that one is superior to the other. Says the Rebbe, it's rather... It all is about what is the atmosphere, what is the environment of the time, so to speak. What is the spiritual environment of the time? In other words, it's not that one is good, one is bad. All three of them are good. All three of them are a way to serve Hashem. It's just that depending on the current, on the on the on the current situation, the current spiritual environment, that's what brings out should you know this versus the other mode of serving Hashem. You see, and when things are the way this should be normally, then it's enough to have the Mesiris Nefesh, where in the beginning of the day you generate your dedication to Hashem, your Kabbalah soil, and that, you know, influences the whole day. However, when things get a little darker, you have, like it says, then you need a greater level Mesiris Nefesh. At the morning Mesiris Nefesh, when you, the initial um, acceptance of Kabbalah soil has to be very, very powerful. And... It, it, it remains therefore revealed the entire day. You see it, but it's generated in the beginning of the day. And then you have a time which is even much darker, 
a time when the darkness is not just serving as a filter or a concealment of godliness, but actually as an opponent, like we have in Ikvis of the Mashiach and the footsteps of Mashiach, then you need to have a level of Mesiris Nefesh that every moment is a new Mesiris Nefesh is generated, that you're constantly in a mode of Mesiris Nefesh. And this is what happened by the miracle of Hanukkah, that you had the impossible impossibilities. Nim Nois. Because there was such a great darkness, you had the klipa of, of Yovan, of, of the Greek culture, the Misyavnim, there was a need for this Mesiris Nefesh on the deepest level. That, the, that you should have Nimnam Ninois. And the Yidin stood in and revealed Mesiris Nefesh. And this got expressed. This became expressed in the jug of oil, a little cruise of oil, in the manner, as we explained above, that it was also Nimnam Ninois in a manner of absolute and revealed Mesiris Nefesh. Says the Rebbe, according to this, that we just, all of this that we explained, will also appreciate how this connects also to another great celebration in the month of Kislev, and that is Yutes and Chav Kislev, Rosh Hashanah Faxidus. Because of the darkness of Igris and Meshicha, there was a need to reveal a much deeper level of the Torah. The Shemen Sheva Torah, the oil in the Torah, Pneumius of the Torah, in the Torah, the esoterics of the Torah, the secrets of the Torah, and this also required absolute Mesiris Nefesh, as is expressed in the celebration of Yutes and Chav Kislev.